Hello, my beautiful Woman Inc. listeners. My guest this week is Tracy Warner, president of the high-growth billion-dollar brand Vital Proteins. Tracy has been with Vital Proteins since the inception of the company in 2014, first serving as a board member, then as senior vice president of sales and chief revenue officer. Prior to Vital Proteins, Tracy spent 20 years in management in the technology industry working for Fortune 100s like IBM, Dell, as well as other Silicon Valley startups. Vital Proteins was partially acquired by Nestle Health Science in 2020. Tracy graduated with a BA in economics from the University of Michigan and did postgraduate work at Michigan Ross, University of Chicago, Booth School of Business, and is enrolled at University of California, Berkeley, Haas School of Business for their accelerated CEO program. I am a huge fan of Vital Proteins. I have my entire family hooked. I put it in my coffee every morning and notice such a difference when I don't. So I was so excited to hear the story behind building this company. Tracy is so wise and so down to earth, and I think her advice will resonate with so many of you. Now, let's get over to my conversation with Tracy. Welcome to the Woman Inc. podcast. This is the place for the new generation of women looking to lead the life of their absolute dreams. I'm your host, Jenna Toddy, entrepreneur, life coach, and strategist for modern businesswomen and entrepreneurs. I am a city girl, sriracha lover, and that friend who will hype you up when you forget how powerful you truly are. I am on a mission to make Women Inc. the most powerful network of women who are leveling up, owning what they want, and becoming who they've always wanted to be. Have you ever wondered what it would look like if you went all in on yourself? No turning back. If so, you are in the right place, my girl. Let's get started. Tracy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I've been very excited for this interview. Thanks, Jenna. I'm so excited to talk to you as well. So you have an amazing title. Just so you know, I have been ordering Vital Proteins for so many years. Like I am thoroughly obsessed with Vital Proteins and you are the CEO, which is incredible. So can you kind of first walk us back before Vital Proteins, a little bit of your background leading up to the incredibly powerful position you're in now? Sure. Um, so why don't I go kind of all the way back? I think I would classify myself as you know a classic overachiever. I was voted um, teacher's pet in high school. I attended the University of Michigan. I studied economics and business. You know, I always wanted to really kind of make a difference in the world. So early on, I was actually in PR. So my first job out of college was working for Miramax Films in New York City. And I was a junior publicist. And it was a really exciting job. But unfortunately, I made $24,000 a year in, you know, the mid-90s. And I was living with three other girls in an apartment. So obviously, you know, there was a little bit of struggle. And I talked to my dad and he said, you know, you're essentially in sales. You don't know that you're in sales, but you are in sales. And that kind of gave me the confidence to actually go into a sales role. And so I segued from the motion picture industry into technology. And it was a great time to be in tech because obviously it was Y2K. 
and there was a lot happening in technology. It was very much a male-dominated field. So I figured if I could find a way to thrive or survive, probably is the first thing, um, and let alone thrive in tech, then I could pretty much do anything. So that's what I did for about 20 years. So I went from you know sales job into sales management. I worked for big companies like IBM and EMC, which was acquired by Dell. I also worked for some Silicon Valley startups like Box and you know some other emerging technologies. So I'd kind of run the gamut of you know Fortune 100 and startup, and I was on a fast track within IBM as a junior executive, kind of moving up very quickly. But what I realized was that I wasn't really passionate about what I was doing. And I'm a mom of two girls. And at the time, my girls were, you know, one of them was probably in elementary school. The other one was in middle school. And my elementary school daughter just couldn't comprehend what I did. And to me, it was, it was just like one of those inflection points where you're like, hmm, is this really what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? And I remember saying to myself, I don't want to be 50 years old and selling AI technology or um, business process improvement for an SAP system. And I was in my early 40s. I had known Kurt Seidensticker, the founder of Vital Proteins, um, kind of through the technology realm because we both worked in tech in Chicago. I ran into him at a networking event and he had said to me, hey, listen, I know that you're one of the few people that probably consumes more products and consumer goods than anyone else I know. Would you be willing to take a look at, you know, this business idea I have? And it was very early on. The packaging was god awful ugly. (laughs) And so I said, well, what is it? And he said, collagen. I thought, of course, it was topical collagen. And he was like, no, 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 it's ingestible collagen. And he said, just take it consistently for two weeks and then call me and let me know what you think. And he said, but you have to take it every day. So I said, okay, I'll put it in my coffee every single day. And I followed that regimen. And after about two and a half weeks, I noticed a material difference. So prior to that, I decided I was going to do CrossFit in my early 40s and go toe-to-toe with former Division I athletes, which I was not. And of course, I got injured like most you know, middle-aged moms that decide to do CrossFit. And I had a um, shoulder labrum tear. After six months worth of rehab, I still had the inability to have full mobility. So I was kind of stuck at about a you know 65 degree angle. And it was super annoying because you know in your early 40s, you don't think about not being fully mobile. And I traveled a ton for work. So the idea of putting a suitcase in the overhead compartment and having to ask for help was super annoying. And so after taking two and a half weeks of vital proteins, I went to grab a platter in my cupboard and all of a sudden I reached straight up and I'm like, wait a minute, is this my bad shoulder or is it this one? And then I realized I had full mobility and I'm like, oh my God, the collagen. So I realized if it could be that instrumental in the quality of my life, what could it do for other people? Mm. So I called him back and I said, hey, how can I be involved? Like, do you need a partner? Like, do you need help with a business plan? Can I help you from a sales perspective? And so that was kind of, it wasn't quite day one. We were probably about a six month old company when that happened, but it was pretty much the inception. I think we were selling about $50,000 back then. And Obviously, we're selling a lot more than $50,000 today. Yeah. I was just going to say, I don't know if we can say this number. I do know the number that you're 
at least like around the number. Can we say that number? It's a lot. It's in, it's in the multi, multi millions per month, right? Yes. Yes. We, we became a unicorn, a CPG unicorn. I think that's yeah. a safe bet to say. Yeah. So that's incredible watching a business grow from about six months in to where it is now. And you had a variety of different roles then. And now being CEO, I guess just as a woman, first of all, you were able to do that. Like what in you was the like propeller to keep leveling up and leveling up within this company? Well, I always had tremendous drive, right? From you know, the early days. And I knew that if I was really following my passion and I felt very passionate about what Vital does, like the efficaciousness of collagen. So if I was following my passion and I had a purpose and just based on, you know, 20 years of running business units, growing business units, you know, driving incremental revenue growth, driving revenue and and growth was never a challenge for me. And I had just such a strong background in it. So of course I had the confidence to segue that skill set into vital proteins. I mean, it was a little bit different skill set. Um, certainly we weren't talking about technology and we weren't doing proof of concepts, but you know, ultimately selling into a buyer, whether it's a Costco buyer or a Whole Foods buyer, you know, it's a lot of the same skill set. So I think once we saw, you know, some initial traction and, you know, the timing at Vital, we had a lot of really um, fortunate um, inflection points. Jennifer Aniston getting behind the brand, right? Organically. We didn't know her. We didn't pay her. But in 2015, she was interviewed by Well and Good Magazine. And she talked about this collagen peptide that she uses. And it helps give her a youthful glow. And of course, we were like, oh my gosh, is she talking about us? And then a few months later, she was named People Magazine Most Beautiful Woman in the World. And there was a section where she talked about her collagen peptide and her anti-aging smoothie. And there was a call out and it showed the Vital Proteins canister, the blue canister. And we were like, oh my gosh, right? So of course, you know, everyone in marketing is high-fiving and I'm kind of freaking out because I'm like, oh my gosh, we have to supply chain, right? Supply chain. What are we going to do from a supply standpoint? But that was a big inflection point for growth for us. Getting into Whole Foods was really important. Our buyer, normally when you go into Whole Foods, you go in and you have a regional placement. And you may test in like two regions of the 13. And our buyer, who ironically works for us now, but back in 2016, our buyer took a chance and he was like, "I'll, I'll bring you in globally. So into all 13 regions. And we were the first brand ever to go from zero to $20 million in less than 24 months. So we were a huge success story. Obviously, you know, it really helped Steven's career within Whole Foods. And then fortunately, later on, we were able to bring him over to Vital Proteins to lead our, our distribution and our natural strategy. But that was a big inflection point. Costco was a big inflection point. You know, obviously doing a lot of work with influencers early on when most brands weren't working with influencers. Um, So we took our social media and influencer strategy very seriously, you know, even back in like 2015, 2016. So I would say that we were able to kind of get the education and the use case 
um, out there very early on when not a lot of people were talking about collagen and not a lot of people knew what collagen was. So because we were first to market, we were able to really kind of groundswell based on influencers, based on social media. We knew who our consumer was, that millennial female. So we were able to target to her over and over again. And then obviously when we had success with that consumer, we decided to go a little bit wider and go into the Gen Z and the Gen X and even the baby boomer demographic. That's an amazing, amazing story. So in tech, I can imagine, I might be wrong, but you didn't have a ton of female mentors to really look to for guidance in this world. Would you, first, if that's accurate, how do you think you were able to kind of navigate that world and then and then into this CEO world without those mentors early on? That's a great question, Jenna. I didn't have strong female mentorship early on in my career. What I did have, however, was a lot of strong female peers. Mm. Um, so we kind of formed a little bit of a girl gang. And we were probably about 10, maybe 15% of the entire sales organization were female. So there weren't that many of us. Um, But the women that decided to pursue a career in technology, and it's a very competitive field, you know, on one of our first days of new hire training, they want you to walk across hot coals, like legitimate hot coals. So um, you have to kind of go through the fire walking experience to, you know, kind of show that you, you're gritty, you're willing to do whatever it takes, you're, you're going to persevere. And, you know, the people that do it and put themselves in that mindset are the ones that are going to succeed. And that's kind of the rationale behind the exercise. Um, so I did it. Uh, and there were a couple other females in my new hire training class, but there weren't many of us. And I think that immediately you had that sisterhood that, you know, we're all doing the same, you know, we're all trying to progress our careers and in this very competitive testosterone driven environment. And again, like if we could find a way to survive and thrive, the opportunities would be limitless because ultimately everyone knew that it couldn't be an entirely male dominated industry. And, you know, slowly as things progressed, you know, I would say over my 20 year career, very early on, very few women, you know, towards the end of my career, there were more women, right? And I would say the women that started with me, like by the time we got into our 40s, we became the mentors for the next generation leaders of female tech, you know, salespeople and, and sales leaders. So while it wasn't strong mentorship per se, I think that sisterhood provided mentorship because we were always, you know, going back and forth and and making sure each other were supported and um, that there was a sense of, you know, cheerleading and champion championing one another. Yeah, that's so good. And it's like taking away that stigma of competition and you have to like one up each other. So when it comes to starting as a board member to, I think, VP of sales, right? And then... Yeah, but same thing. Sales, yeah. To president, to CEO. What would you say are some tangible things that you have learned to do that have allowed you to really be recognized as a leader that someone can really look to for some mentorship? Well, I think when you're building a brand in the early days... 
you have to be absolutely flexible and you have to understand that you're going to wear a lot of different hats. I also think it's really critical in the early days that you build a team of top talent. And I cannot underscore that enough. It's really easy to fall in love with a resume. So, you know, I'd see resumes and they'd have Lululemon and Vega and all of these iconic brands. And you tend to kind of get excited about the resume and not really dig in deep to the person. And, you know, for a startup, a fast growing startup, you need a certain type of person to to kind of fit the mold, right? Someone that has integrity, someone that is willing to roll up their sleeves and show grit and perseverance because, you know, in the beginning, you don't have a team of execution folks and then the lead strategist, everyone executes and everyone strategizes. And there's a lot of kind of cross-functional, you know, traversing that happens. And you need to make sure that you're working with people that are team players And I would say, you know, ultimately too, like I look for servant leaders, it's really hard to kind of figure out if people are telling you what they want to tell you or if they're true servant leaders. But I think if you can find someone that is, has integrity, is innately curious and is a servant leader, and then obviously the grit, you're, you're able to really kind of formulate a strong team. So I would say that, you know, that's definitely one thing that was really critical, you know, building the right team all around you. And since I didn't come from CPG, you know, I was really looking for folks that had a different skill set and were different than me, right? So one plus one would equal three as opposed to one plus one equal two. So that diversity of talents and experiences was really important in the beginning. And I would say now as I evolved you know, my leadership style and obviously progress my career at Vital, I would say, you know, one thing that I really hold near and dear is I want to have personal relationships with everyone. Um, I want to um, help them progress their careers because I recognize as a leader, you know, it's a serious responsibility because I have the ability to influence their careers and even their livelihoods, right? So I take that responsibility very seriously And, you know, I want to make sure that I get to know them as a human and I want to get to know their career goals and aspirations and help cultivate those careers and aspirations. I think that is so important and rare. I saw a quote the other day that kind of is aligned with that, but it was saying how a really important question to ask your team is how can I support you outside of work? What are the goals that you have in your personal life that I can help you achieve? I think it's Adam Grant. And I was yeah. like, powerful because they won't be with you forever. And you kind of knowing that and knowing that you're going to make them the best they can be during yeah. that. I love so, that. I love Adam Grant too. I say that often, but I don't say outside of work. So thank you. That's a, like a new tip and trick <laughs> for me. Oh yeah, of course. So you really are hiring then first and foremost on values, which I do hear a lot with very successful people is that's a common theme. Yeah. So in 2020, you guys had a wildly successful year, which is incredible. How do you feel like your business changed, evolved? Like how did you have to step up or just pivot what you were doing before working from home? You know, the crazy thing is our business materially didn't change that much. You would think that Oh gosh, you know, like we're going from, you know, very much a collaborative office 
and now we're going and working from home. Um, I think because we're in the health and wellness industry, the demand for health and wellness still maintained, you know, a really high demand. And, you know, people were looking at ways to incorporate wellness into their daily lives. And, you know, so the demand was high. I think our customers, you know, really still needed to have the right products, the right product mix on shelf. So we were still having, you know, line reviews is what they call it when you go and, you know, present your goods to a buyer at Target for, per se. And we were still conducting business in a very similar fashion. It just wasn't in person. And, you know, I will say that there has been Zoom fatigue like all companies. And, you know, there has been um, the great resignation like all companies. But, I mean, fundamentally, we found a way to grow 100% year on year from 2020 to 2021. And um, I don't think we could have done that if people weren't very committed and very passionate and very um, focused on execution. And knowing kind of the brand story that we have, the market leadership position that we have, we've got 55% market leadership in most of the channels. So like when people think about collagen, they typically think about vital proteins. So it's exciting to be in that number one position. There's also some pressure being in the number one position, but when you have a chief creative officer partner like Jennifer Aniston, who's really helping drive top of funnel awareness, um, you know, it's kind of the sales and marketing and the e-commerce um, job to really kind of convert on that top of funnel and bring it down to bottom of funnel. Not much changed. I think we sharpened our supply chain um, capabilities and our manufacturing capabilities. And for us, we manufacture in-house, which is very rare for a CPG company. Um, so we have a little more nimbleness in ability to schedule and ability to kind of produce based on demand. Um, so that enabled us to maximize our sales opportunity in 2021 because other brands didn't have product, right? They were waiting on raw ingredients from, you know, Vietnam or Madagascar, Madagascar vanilla. And we were fortunate to have redundancy already built into our supply chain, um, which is something that a lot of younger brands don't have. But we've got an amazing uh, female lead of supply chain. In fact, uh, across the board, this is just an add-on here. You know, we've got a female general counsel. We've got a female chief revenue officer. We have a female um, VP of HR. We have a couple of females um, VP of marketing. Uh, VP of quality. So there's strong, strong female leadership within the organization. And I think that, you know, that willingness to lean in and um, be compassionate leaders and promote growth, I think all of that has contributed to people really wanting to stay at Vital and really excited about what the future brings. That's amazing. So speaking of female leadership, how would you say that the female journey is different? on the male journey as far as like the corporate ladder. Mm -hmm. One thing that I realized very early on in my career was all of these men that were national account managers with me and then district sales managers and directors of sales, they tended to have like a really strong home support network, right? They had wives that were at home that didn't work, that picked up the dry cleaning, 
And, you know, I think for female leaders, it's a little bit different because, you know, if you're having children, if you're a mother, you have the responsibility of raising kids and, you know, figuring out how to do it all. And it's really impossible to do it all. So one thing that I realized early on is, okay, if I don't have a stay-at-home wife, (laughs) then I've got to figure out a support network that can help me and can help me succeed. So whether it's, you know, my executive assistant now, who's absolutely amazing, you know, whether it's been personal assistance, a great nanny, I think it was always really important to have a support system. So you could go out there and do your job and not feel guilty about, you know, coming home at, you know, eight o'clock at night. Um, So that was really something that I, I think that, you know, females have to overcome early on. You can do it all. You just can't do it all all at one like one moment. So you have to prioritize. So one thing that I did with my daughters when they were young is, um, and I'm divorced. So I said, "Mom, we'll be at every A event in your life, right? The dance recitals, the horse shows, the school plays. I will be there in full force. The B events, I will absolutely try to you know try to make it to, right?" But the C events, one of my daughters was uh, a tech person in a play. She wore all black. She moved furniture on and off the stage. That's probably a C event. So (laughs) when they were in second grade and fifth grade, you know, I talked through like, these are the A's, the B's and the C's. Like understand, I'll be at every A event. And so from that moment on, we always talked about A's, B's and C's. So I think helping your family prioritize it's another way to better support the female leader. Um, so that was really critical. And I do think that mentorship is something that's that's an incredible tool. I'm in the group Chief. I'm sure you've heard of Chief before. And I've got an incredible network by the other female leaders in my core group. And I feel like having that sisterhood, I was able to have a sisterhood in the technology space, but having that sisterhood of other women that understand the plight, you know, that that understand the challenges and that we can collectively support one another, encourage one another has been really important for my growth. And it's something that I definitely want to pass on to the next generation of female leaders at Vital and Beyond. That's so good. I'm going to use that when I'm a mom. That's such a CEO way of looking at parenting. That's really, really powerful. So then when it comes to, I guess, like prioritizing what is an A, B, C, not just with as being a parent, but in your life, what is the thing that you look for as far as being an A? Like, What is something that you For example, saying yes to this interview, like what are your yeses and why do you feel like you prioritize those things? I think a yes is something that really is going to move the needle, right? And when we talk about female leadership, you know, I'm going to be able to reach women that I don't know, right? And um, certainly the females in my organization And I would say that, you know, of our 500 people employees, we have, you know, probably 65% of them are female. So certainly there's a forum there and I have an audience with the females at Vital. But 
to ensure that like that message is going above and beyond vital. I also think it's really important to give back. So I just spoke at my alma mater. I went to the University of Michigan. So I spoke um, at their school of business and it was mostly, you know, like first and second year um, students that were thinking about like, well, what, what happens after I graduate? So that's very important for me. So I would say that, you know, giving back, making sure that that female leadership forum is heard, that would definitely be an A. Anything to do with my kids as it relates to high school graduation, of course, invariably, that's an A. Holidays, my parents, those are A's. You know, I think sometimes you have to, you have to step away from maybe relationships or opportunities that aren't really serving you. And I'm 50. I turned 50 this past year. And it's been a hard lesson for me because throughout the years, I've always been one of those people that lean in and say yes and want to do more and want to take on more. And, you know, I think it's that classic overachiever in me that, yes, I'll do it. You know, like I'll figure out how I'll jam it into my day. And it's been a process for me, you know, kind of through meditation, through podcasts, like learning how to say no you know, the pandemic has been kind of a a little bit of a perfect opportunity to be able to delineate between, you know, what's really important and, you know, what's more of a nice to have. And I've had to let some friendships go as well, right? Where, you know, our values weren't really lining up and maybe it made sense for us to be friends when we were in our 20s, but, you know, it doesn't make sense for us to have a close personal friendship now. Yes, I definitely found that. So speaking of vital proteins, I guess going back to vital proteins, what would you say is something you're most excited about for taking on this new role as CEO? And part B would be, what is something that you really want the women on your team to know and to exhibit? The thing that you want to instill in them. So what I'm most excited about I think we've built an incredible brand and we've had this incredible trajectory of growth, both in, you know, personnel and revenue, obviously in profitability. And we're now part of a much larger organization with Nestle Health Science. So I think, you know, challenges and solving problems actually really inspire me. I kind of like to step into something that could be optimized. So there's a lot of parts of the organization that I feel like we can do better, be better, right? Um, and it's not to say that we're not, you know, really great right now, but like there's an opportunity to just optimize it and tweak it a little bit and make sure that we're resonating with consumers. So I think for me, the consumer focus and the customer focus is always front and center. So if we're doing the right thing for our consumer, then everything else will fall into place. So that's exciting. In terms of what I really want kind of the next generation females to know is as a female leader, you know, servant leadership is so important. So, you know, there's a great book, Leaders Eat Last. And I think that it really inspired me a lot when I started off my journey. And this was long before there were podcasts and even great business books. But I remember I was 26 years old. I was a regional sales manager for a software company. And one of my vice presidents of sales, every time we would hit our monthly number, not even quarterly, monthly, he would send, you know, a bottle of wine or a bottle of champagne or just like a nice note saying, you know, thank you so much. We're so lucky to have you. It was such a, you know, small gesture, but it was so meaningful 
to me as a 26-year-old. And that always stuck with me. So when I got into leadership and management, you know, that's something that I do. So, you know, we have this birthday Slack channel. And, you know, I always write in there something nice about whomever's birthday it is. And I tend to usually sign it like, we're so lucky to have you in the Vital Fam. And it's just those little things that I think really help inspire and engage women to think about how they too can impact other people and how they can be that next generation leader that has the ability to influence and shape the careers and the livelihoods of other females coming up. So good. If you are a manager or in a leadership role listening to this, I think you should like re-listen to that because it's really difficult when you're busy and you're under pressure and you might have investors and a lot of different pressure to realize how important it is to take that time and how much it means. And I also feel like when people feel appreciated, they will be so much more like in their power and their element, like they'll come to life. And I've seen that so many times. So I love that. So my last question to you is, I guess, kind of similar, but what would be your number one piece of advice for a woman who is starting her own business, is going after her dream job, just ready to make a big step towards going all in on herself? I love that. So I've got a couple things. I don't know if I can narrow it down just to one. Is that okay? Yeah. First and foremost, I think that you need to think big, right? So what's that adage? Like, you know, when men apply for a job, they're 60% qualified for the job. Women won't apply for a job unless they're 100% qualified for it. So I think it's just our natural inclination that, oh, I'm not good enough, right? And whether that came from college sorority rush, whether that came from early years, uh, you know, taking ballet class, whatever it was, but somewhere embedded in our minds is, I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm going to get this job. So I think you have to think really big, right? Be limitless. Don't put expectations and barriers and, and predetermined thoughts and judgments into your head. You just really have to kind of break down those barriers and think big. Um, number two, don't be afraid to fail. Failure is our best lesson. So I think about all, you know, like the adversity that I've faced in my life. And, you know, there's so many things that were, you know, huge setbacks that I was, you know, truly devastated by when they happened. And they've always taught me a lesson. And if we fail early and if we use adversity properly, it can be a great catalyst for growth. It can point us into the direction that we're supposed to be going in. So don't be afraid of failure. And if you are going to fail, if you're going to make a risk and, you know, do an experiment, you know, like try to fail early too, because time is precious. And if you waste too much time going back at the problem the same way or a little bit different way, and you're not getting the result that you need or you want, then it's far better to fail early and move on. I also think that, you know, (laughs) for women, we, we have this tendency to think about like what the perfect life looks like, whether that's, you know, I want to graduate from college. I want to be married by this date. I want to have kids by this date. I want to be a vice president by this date. Throw that out the window because your career trajectory is very scatter plot. If I look at mine, I was a vice president and then I went down to a manager at one point in time and that was okay. And that was appropriate for 
you know, the, the setting that I was in, the season that I was in at that time. So I think it's really important not to be married to this, you know, kind of growth trajectory that puts you at CEO at 30 years old or 40 years old. I think that you have to like really be in the moment and understand that every experience is going to lead you to where you eventually want to be. So good. I think all of those points, I'm glad you didn't narrow it down. They're all so <laughs> Thank you, Tracy, so much. This has been incredible. And where can everyone find you? Follow along on your journey. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Tracy Warner Halima. I'm on, on Instagram, Tracy Halima. I'm on Twitter. Uh, I think it's Tracy Warner Halima. I don't use Twitter that much. Um, I do talk about college sports a lot on Twitter, but um, probably not as much female leadership as I ought to be. By the way, my mom is from Michigan and she's the biggest, biggest Michigan sports fan. So. Oh, yeah. It's kind of born and bred into us. Um, <laughs> my 18-year-old daughter is a freshman at Michigan. So... I'm so proud of that little fact, right? That um, she's third generation legacy. That's amazing. Oh, third. Wow. My grandma. Then we skipped a generation with my mom, then me, and now her. I love it. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. So everyone follow along Tracy and I'm so excited to watch you as a CEO and will definitely be upping my order now. <laughs> well, thank you for being a customer. I'm so I'm so humbled by this experience. So I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me, Jenna. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Okay, I hope you enjoyed this episode and are feeling so fired up to go out there and create that business or side hustle that's been on your to-do list, you know, a little bit longer than you care to admit. It is never too late to make the first step towards the life you want more than anything else. If you haven't already, make sure you are subscribed to the show so that you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, keep becoming the woman of your wildest dreams.